Hello and welcome to Helpline on Feed Play Love with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris comes in every week to answer your questions, whether it's about a baby who is waking every hour through the night or a toddler who keeps climbing into your bed and any other sleep-related question, there's food, behaviour questions, anything that you might be having a bit of a challenge with, Chris is here to help. So you can get in touch with us in a number of ways. You may be watching us live via the Facebook feed on Babyology. If you are, just pop your question underneath the video and we will get to it. Or if you're listening to us via the podcast, the best bet is to email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm very well. Let's start with Sally. She has, uh, she says, my little girl roll from her back to her tummy but can't roll back onto her back so she's waking up every time she rolls all night and isn't having very good sleeps i've taken her arms out of the sleep bag what can i do about this uh, Sally, uh, when babies exhibit this behaviour where they start rolling and, and you know, you take their arms out, they then have to learn to settle themselves in the place where they wake up. So lots of times parents will go in and they'll just roll them back onto their back, but you'll spend all night doing that. So once she's got herself maybe on her side and she's woken up, I go in and I just put my hand on her to give her a bit of reassurance, maybe on her shoulder, and then I just tap her bottom to settle her so that she learns to settle in the place she wakes up. So if she was on her front, then I put my hand on her shoulders so she feels me, and then I just tap her bottom. So it's about her learning or relearning how to settle in the place she wakes up. So at four months, you tend to get a little bit of this rolling, and then sometimes they go really quiet for a while and they don't roll, and then they pick it up with gusto at around six months and they roll all over the place but at this point you need to settle her where you find her when she wakes up good luck sally hope that works (laughs) you also have uh, fiona on the phone hi fiona how are you hi ladies how are you good Good, thanks tell us everyone happy new year to you so chris um quick one quick one um little one's turning two and a half not for a couple of months yep how to transition him bag for so long to not a bed yet but just um no blankets okay so Um, i did try to do a sheet but he was like no no oh okay so you tried to make the cot up as a bed yes yeah because he kind of thinks it's fun in mum and dad like he doesn't sleep in our bed but he thinks it's fun when he's under the blankets there and he's like blanky blanky and i'm like well that's good yeah so it might be a sign that he's not ready so usually i take that a few months before you think of transitioning through to the bed, yep. I just make his cot up as a bed, you know, yep. give him a little junior or kid's pillow. I put a sheet on it and I take the um, sleeping bag off right, and yep. that might help. And then I tuck him in and sort of tell him a story as if you were just tucking an older child into bed. And and, right. and then usually what I do is let them do that for a month or so before I transition mm. them into the bed so the okay. steps are slower. So, yeah, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a kid that likes doesn't like change too much. Yeah, that's so right. If I can just kind of ease into it. Yep. By the time he's ready for the bed, we'll, we'll almost. Yeah, be that's there. right. The yep. the final step will just be literally taking him out of the taking cot and popping yep. him into the bed. So yeah. I persist with it, and I take his sleeping bag off and say, "We're getting ready for our you know big boy bed or our big bed, whatever you would like yep. to call it." And then you're just modelling the behaviour. Now boys will go to sleep and let you tuck them in, and five minutes later they'll be on top of the bed. But that's okay. It's right. just okay. the mechanisms 
says that is the new cue signs on how to go to sleep when he moves to a big bed. Oh, okay, yeah, and I noticed too, in the sleeping bag, he can't actually stand, right? Like, well, he can stand, but he but can't it's actually. Yeah. It's harder for him to get up, whereas I noticed when I did try, he would just, you know, stand, stand up, up and stuff. So, yeah. yeah. So you're sort right. of trying to get rid of or, you know, deal with those behaviours before that is a child getting out of its bed. Yeah, okay. And great. walking down the corridor to tell mm-hmm. you it's yeah. not working. It's not working. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll, um, I'll endeavour to do that in the next few months and see how we go. Brilliant. Great. Good, good luck, Thanks Fiona. So much, ladies. You Bye. Have a good day. Cheers. Bye. Bye. We also have an email from Natalie. Yeah. My seven-month-old has started waking at 4.30 a.m., usually as a result of a small poo. The room is dark, and whilst he will take milk if offered, it seems to be the poo rather than the need to feed. Any suggestions on how I can resolve this? Um, well, one, you'll, you'll have to change it. And the really unfortunate thing is to change his nap, he sort of wakes up at seven-month-old at that point. But the other thing is um, it could have to do with uh, when he takes his solids and the difference between that and how much milk he gets at the same time. So normally about seven months and certainly even before seven months, they don't poo overnight. So I suspect it might be that the food is increased because seven-month-olds take quite a bit of food um, and his bowel's getting used to it and that his dinner and the last feed of the night are a bit close together. So maybe bring his dinner back a little bit to, say, 4.30 so there's a much bigger gap and maybe he would like to do a poo before he goes to bed in that case and not do it at four o'clock in the morning. But it usually settles itself down. Yeah, So I think you have to change the nappy and cross all your fingers and all your toes. All right. Good luck, Natalie. We have an anonymous email. Um, It says, I'm wondering about alternatives to formula. I have a breastfed, incredibly healthy eight-month-old baby who hates formula slash bottles. He loves solids and his sippy cup of water. I've tried almost every bottle around and seven different types of formula to no avail. I have also tried breast milk in a bottle and he gave that a big no too. My question is... Is goat's milk or coconut milk a good alternative to try? I plan to continue to breastfeed and this would only be used one feed a week in a sippy cup when I'm working night shift. Oh, okay. So generally he's a breastfed baby. I He won't take a bottle and I think you're going down the right lines by thinking whatever it is that we're going to offer to him, offer it to him in his sippy cup. Make it, weirdly, a different colour to his water one because they're very quick. They go, oh, that's my water, that's not. Um, personally, myself, I certainly wouldn't do coconut. Um, you could do goats. You wouldn't want to do goat all the time and long term, but once a week I think would be absolutely fine. I think the problem isn't about the formula, it was probably about the bottle. So I would try personally making one scoop of formula up, whichever can you've got beside you, put it in an open cup and gently let him sip it out of an open cup and get used to the flavour without needing to get used to the bottle and then see if he goes back to taking the formula for you. But if not, on one bottle a week, I think it would be goat's milk. It'd have to be goat's milk formula, not goat's milk. Um, It'd have to be the formula that you'd have to make up, and you can give it a try. But I'd go back and try whatever formula can you've got there, and I would put it in a a makeup scoop in an open cup, just gently tipping around lunchtime, let him get used to the flavour, and then I think that would transfer very easily into the sippy cup when you needed it to, to work for you. Is that unusual? Do most I always thought babies loved formula because it was sweet. No, well, breast milk's sweeter. 
Oh, is it? Yeah, so it's very sweet. So the formula um, is also heavier. Yeah. So it's a different texture in their mouth. But actually, I think it's more that when we um, see babies doing that, it's because they're putting the bottle and it's the bottle they're rejecting more right. than anything. Yeah. And when you talk, when she's talking about bottles, do you think that she's talking about the teats on the bottles? Is that no? It, yeah, it is, is it... the teat. I mean, they don't care which end of the bottles on it, yeah. but it's the sensation of that in their mouth. And at eight months, they know how to breastfeed. So you're nearly at the point by 10 months where you could almost do it with a cup every time. Like you wouldn't give them a bottle. You'd just do it with a cup. Um, But I think this is about the formula more than – I think this is about the bottle more than it is about the formula. Okay. That's interesting. Well, good luck, Anonymous. I hope that helps. Uh, We have an email from Alana. My son is 18 months old and up until now has been a unicorn sleeper. He would be put in his cot and roll himself over to go to sleep. He still does this for day naps, sometimes one, sometimes two, depending on the time he gets up. Even asking for bed some days by walking over and insisting on his sleeping bag. But the past week, he has been truly terrible at bedtime. He doesn't scream or throw a tantrum. It's a sad, sobbing cry like he's in real pain. And it lasts 45 minutes, even if we go up to comfort him to sleep. For a kid who never cried at bedtime, it's heart-wrenching to listen to. Not so funnily enough, this has coincided with the arrival home of his baby brother after a five-night stint at his grandma's and then nanny's houses. Am I correct in thinking this is a reaction to either baby, who he seems to love, or to the extended period away from mum and dad, or is something else like an 18-month regression happening here? Obviously, with a 12-day-old, I'm exhausted, but if he needs to be comforted, I'll be there, just wondering how long I can expect this to last." I think it's probably the combination of everything that's been going on. So first I'd go and ask the grandparents how they were putting him to sleep because what they do and what they say could be two different things. So get quite a clear picture about how they were putting him to sleep. Um, So he's also had a separation from you while you were in hospital and now we've come home with a new baby. But actually I think it's just a combination of all of those types of things things that have been going on and I think consistency is what's going to work in this in this case so going back to what you know was working before you had the baby and being consistent with it that 45 minute window of crying will slowly decrease because your timings look good the age group is good he's having one sleep during the day so I think in this case it's about the consistency and he's just had a different message across five days now if you think about how quick it they pick up things in five days, what they would learn in five days. It doesn't take much for the sequence of going to sleep to undo because other people have done it slightly differently. So I I think I would weigh this one out. I think you're doing the right thing by going up and comforting, comforting him and then coming back out and that it should just reduce in time and get better as he becomes more secure in that everything sort of settled itself back down again. Okay, good luck, Alana. This one is an email from Kate. My 14-month-old son keeps waking up around the 5 a.m. mark. On a good day, it will be 5.30, but on a bad day, even before 5 a.m. We try to resettle him in the cot, but most often he gets hysterical and ends up in our bed where we try to keep him till 6. He was always a troubled sleeper, and we shared our bed with him till he was 7 months old. Then went to sleep school, and he sleeps through the night ever since in his cot. In our room, as flat is only a one better. He naps in his cot as well and falls asleep on his own with a dummy. 
The only trouble is his early wakes. His day routine is 6am breakfast and milk offered, 9am nap, usually two hours but sometimes only one, 12 lunch, 1.30 or 2 nap, usually one hour, 5.30 dinner, 6.30 milk, 7pm bed. Okay, there's two quick answers for this. At 14 months, I would be um, merging those two sleeps into one sleep and that will fix your five o'clock wake up. Um, so decreasing your morning sleep by little half hour windows over say a week to 10 days will increase the afternoon sleep. And as that then pushes down so that you're putting him to bed around the 11.30 mark, I think him having one good sleep in the day from 11.30 to about 2 or 2.30 and then put him down at 7, 7.30, I think that that will generally fix your five o'clock wake up. But the second part of this is because you're in a little one bedroom unit and he's in that room, he's also at an age where he knows you're just over there. So when he wakes up, he'll stand up, he'll almost look at you and point at you until you pick him up and put him into bed, for instance. So you've got to make sure that we deal with the five o'clock wake up and I think that'll be an easy fix. But if the behaviour around waking up at five o'clock continues, it's probably more that you're in the same room and he knows you're just over there. And so they stand up and almost look at you. They go to the corner of the cot that looks at you and start talking to you or crying at you. But I think in this case, reducing to one sleep of the day will probably fix this. Okay, good luck, Kate. This is an email from Kimberly. I have a five and a half month old baby who recently began sleeping through the night. Night, However, this only lasted about a week or so and he now wakes twice in the night. He goes to bed between 6 and 7, usually closer to 6 because he's awake early, wakes anywhere from 12 to 1 for a feed and then again between 4.30 and 5.30. He was exclusively breastfed. However, we've just started introducing some baby rice cereal and puree banana in the last few days and he definitely seems more hungry and ready for solids. The changes to his sleep started prior to this. Day sleep consists of one morning nap, an hour and a half, uh, anywhere between 8 and 9 a.m., one and a half hours at lunchtime, usually around 11.30 to 12, and a short 30-minute nap in the afternoon, normally around 4 till 4.30. I've tried extending his morning awake time to at least two hours from his ideal wake time of 6 a.m. to see if this helps with the early waking, but so far no luck. Could this early wake up be hunger-related? I'm worried if I feed him here, it will just reinforce the early wake and then also mean he doesn't feed as well for his first morning feed. Room is dark, white noise on. I've been attempting resettling, which works about 25% of the time. Right, Kimberly, I think this is um, about the nights, not so much. The days sound perfectly good for a five-month-old. I actually think that, and what I often say to my clients, if your baby's been sleeping through or sleeping to a certain point overnight for a week, I don't go backwards. So if my baby had been sleeping through the night for a week and then on the 10th night it wakes up, I would try and resettle them because the baby's sort of proven that they can go through the night. In this case, what I would do now you're into two sleeps, sorry, two feeds overnight, is the first wake up he does, I would resettle him because that 12 o'clock feed is leading to that 4.30 feed because once they have one feed, they tend to wake up between three and four hours later. So that seems about right to the pattern that he's formed. 
So over a weekend, with the support of your partner, um, when he wakes at 12 o'clock, I'd get your partner to go in and do some gentle um, settling of him, lay him down, pat him, and calm him down. If he gets too worked up, give him a cuddle and pop him back down again and push that first feed out. So if we could push that out to, say, 1.30 or 2 o'clock, I think when you feed him well at that point, it will get you back through to the 6 o'clock and then things will be back on track. And it's really reasonable for him to have a feed overnight at five months of age. So I think if we can get to that point, I think you'll be happy with that until he you know, pushes through again and sleeps through the night. Chris Minogue and Helpline on Feed Play Love will be back answering more questions right after this. Now back to your questions with Helpline and Chris Minogue. This one comes from Jo. She says, my four-year-old has just started getting really anxious about everything. We're wondering if something has happened at preschool or if it's a normal developmental stage. Sometimes he will have a meltdown, for example, about not having the right shirt. How can we help him calm down? Well, part of this is normal. Um, four-year-olds are all about choice and, you know, and consistency. So if anything goes off, like a change of a teacher, um, you know, maybe even some gentle discipline that they might have done, that will that will definitely disrupt their whole little world. So first thing I'd be doing is chatting to the carers at daycare or preschool and just finding out if he's having good days and is he, just generally speaking, a happy little fellow there. And if that's the case, then I think the rest of it is probably about exactly what you've put, which is choice. So you could put wheat bix down four days a week and on the fifth day they have a complete meltdown because there's wheat bix in their bowl. You are, I tend to say you can only give them choice when you have the time to allow that process to happen because they will say, I'll have the red bowl, then they'll say, I'll have the blue bowl, and then they'll say, I'll have the red bowl. And you have to give them time to be able to go through that and make the choice and whether you push back a little or say, no, we're having the blue bowl. And that takes a little bit of time. So if he's not getting the time to navigate through those things like, which shirt would you like to wear today? I would only give him the choice of two. I wouldn't let him go to the whole wardrobe and let him have a go at it because you'd be there for hours. So I would, where I had the choice or where I had the time, I would give him choice. But the first thing I'd do is find out if something is happening at daycare. Is, you know, his little friend that always turned up on a Tuesday is suddenly now not there. That would throw his little world out. So start there. And then when you give him choice, you've got to give it time for him to process that and allow him to to make the choice. So only argue over the things you really want to argue about. Because there will be a lot. There will be. things. Um, We have a question on Facebook Live from Kelly. Um, She has a breastfed body, sorry, a breastfed baby was taking the bottle with breast milk and or formula up until the four-month sleep regression stage and now doesn't take the bottle at all. Any advice? This is really common. So I don't think it's about a four-month regression. I just about think that um, it's about the baby's awareness. By four months, they know what a breast feels like in their mouth. They know that a bottle feels very differently. And unless you have been given a bottle every single day and and not even at the same time, but muddling that up, they will often at around four months, because of that alertness and awareness that they have, will start to reject one or the other. So you, you can also hear about this where they reject the breast and only want the bottle. So you, it's in both ways. So I think in this case, 
it's about that awareness. And if you want um, the baby to take a bottle, there has to be consistency within taking that bottle. But it is a bit um, of a difficult trick to do at this age because of that awareness. So I would try things like putting breast milk in it, making sure it's warm, the right teat, and possibly having dad or someone else offer that bottle and make sure they're hungry. So often when I try and give a bottle, I've allowed about four hours since the previous feed before I would offer that bottle so that the instinct of hunger takes over and they start to try and engage with the bottle. But it's a very different sensation between breastfeeding and bottle feeding. So I think it's something that you need to really work at to get back on um, them drinking, him drinking the bottle for you and for it to be consistent. Can I ask a question about teats? Yes. Um, you, you were saying earlier it's obviously not the shape of the bottle, bottle it's, it's the, the shape of the teat. Um, how do you try out different teats? So how long do you give them on one before you try another and how many do you try overall because there are Ooh. so many out there? See, I don't. I just say just pick a bottle, use that teat and that's the teat you're using because you'll get – it's like the lady who had seven formulas. Yeah. Uh, you just pick a formula and away you go. In fact, the more you change it, the more confused the baby will get. Okay. There is a teat that we specifically use with breast and bottle – but I don't know if we can mention yes, it. Yes, you can. can mention it. Okay, so it's a pigeon teat. It's their wide teat because it keeps the mouth open. But okay. by four months of age, it's actually the sensation in their mouth. So it's um, how it feels and how they move it. So I'm not even sure that the pigeon would work, but I'd start with a pigeon wide neck bottle to see if that gave the same sensation to the baby. Okay. Good luck with that, Kelly. Um, We have a question from Tori on Facebook Live, which she has a 12-month-old. Her daughter's getting, starting to get really frustrated and almost throws tantrums when she can't do something. When I tell her no or try to take something off her, do I let her have a tantrum and then cuddle or leave her? At at the beginning, a 12-month-old is usually quite placid. You know, so they're very um, malleable. You can sort of distract them fairly easily. So I wonder whether the level of tantrums, if they're consistent, is to do with the level of tiredness. So if she's sleeping really well for you, the answer to your question is where she's safe, I let her have the tantrum and then I cuddle her. Because often if you're cuddling a tantrum in child, you get hit in the head or kicked or something happens. So if she's in a good little safe space then I'd let her calm herself down and then I'd go up and give her a little cuddle. But with a 12-month-old, it's all about distraction. So if you can see her doing something like she's, I don't know, managed to pick up a piece of glass, you know, a glass, and she's walking around with it, instead of rushing over and saying no, I tend to go with something else so that I can give her this thing and take that thing away from her. And that will just diffuse the amount of tantrums but the level of the tantrum has usually got to do with the level of tiredness so if they're well slept it's sort of like a little one and they get over it really quickly but if I'm really tired and I've been pushed that day then that will be much more explosive and take much longer for them to calm down from. Okay and we have a question from Meg who has a three-week-old baby girl Um, I'm really struggling with breastfeeding. I did two or three weeks. I just feel like I'm constantly feeding her. Is this normal? And when will we start to settle into a routine? I am struggling with feeling trapped in the house right now. That's tough. 
I think it's tough because it is tough at three weeks because it's the you feed as many times at night as you do in the day. So it feels like this never-ending story of going around and around. All I can say for you is that if you're actually struggling with the breastfeed, go to your early childhood centre. They will put you in contact with maybe a lactation consultant or they might run a breastfeed in um, clinic that can help you with positioning and attachment and good feeding behaviour. From there, it's about the cycles that the baby has. So at three weeks, they do feed really frequently. So they feed anywhere between three and four hours. Um, More, I would say, closer to the three. So it feels really frequent. You can still be doing eight or nine feeds um, in the whole 24 hours. They should be awake for about an hour to an hour and a quarter, and they should be able to sleep for around an hour and a half or more within a cycle. So three weeks down the track, that's 21 days of basically being enclosed. It's time, if you've got the energy, and that's a big question, if you've got the energy, is to maybe feed her once, give her, wrap her up and give her a cuddle, get her all sleepy, but put her into the pram and, and then take yourself for a walk. Even if it's just a lap around the block and that's all you can do, um, it might be to the local coffee shop to grab a coffee and come back again. But just that one little moment in the day where you can get out, Um, And if that's all you can achieve, it's going to change the whole feel of being at home. But I don't don't know if we prepare our parents for how that monotony of the everyday part of the baby um, really hits you when you take a baby home, you know. Mm. But all I can say is they get older the gaps get bigger and your time out gets more and more. So you've got about another three weeks till she's about six weeks old before you start to feel that difference between the day and the night. You get a little bit more sleep back at night and then suddenly it feels very different. So hang in there. Go and speak to the Early Childhood Centre so they can refer you to the breastfeeding clinic just to check that everything's going well and and just give yourself a little, you know, break and say, okay, this one, I'm going to wrap you, cuddle you, but I'm going to put you in the pram and we're going to go off for a walk. Yeah, make a huge difference. Yeah. That is such a hard, a challenging, let's say, yeah. period of time. Um, Kate has a two-year-old, two-year-old boy. We have a terrible time at daycare drop-off with my two-year-old. It's been six months since he began in care, and it's been the same every day with crying, clinging, and I usually leave in tears myself. Oh. I'd love any tips to help us both make this better, as I really can't change my work situation, so this is necessary. Okay, don't, this is the biggest struggle is that drop off and pick up and the first thing I would think is, is he the same when dad drops him off and can, you know, dad help out and do some drop offs for you so it's not so bad every time there's a drop off. The second thing to reassure yourself as a mum is how does he cope during the day? So is it like five minutes of pain for everybody but he goes on has a great day and he's got friends and he, you know, when he when you pick him up, he's got dirt all over him and paint in his hair, then I think that's just that separation. And some kids will take a while. A friend of mine, uh, her child did it for five years. Wow. She, every single drop-off. Oh, that's all right. But funny enough, when she went to school, never did it. Huh. So somewhere in there, it was probably about the relationship, but she did it every day for five, five years or four years. So I think what it is is you have to make sure that your child's world is as in the best place that you can put it and that that's the separation and that over time it should get better. And I think you really need to talk to his carers and make sure his day is good. 
And that as a mum would make you feel so much better to know this is just a short thing that happens and then he's okay with his day. And to see if your partner could help out and maybe do a couple of the drop-offs just to see if he reacts the same way. And just a little tale of hope. Um, my kids now, uh, my son's about to start school this year. And when I was dropping him off last year, I remember the time when he was like that. Yeah. And how I feel felt dropping him off. off when he was older. So different. Yeah. Like I'm actually, I was happy to be there. He was happy to get there. Yeah, some kids it was just, so different. just take time and that separation is a really difficult mm. thing. Even if they're at their grandparents' place, it's a really different. I think you have to look at the whole picture for him because, as you said, you can't change your work days. Mm. And I think that's a reality of working parents these days is that drop-off and how, do, how does that separation play out? Yeah. It's a really difficult thing. Well, I hope it gets better. Um, that's all we have time for today. This is Helpline on Feed, Play, Love and Chris is here every week. However, next week is a long weekend. So we won't have a Facebook Live, but we will be doing a very special episode about when you bring your second baby home and you have a non-verbal toddler, which can be really hard. (laughs) Even a verbal one could be hard. (laughs) Yeah, that is very true. So that's what we're going to deal with next week. But if you do want to email in your questions for the following week, we'll be back and you can email us at Helpline at theparentbrand.com.au Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au See you next time.